0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. I grew up in a Filipino household and one of the most common, most popular probably Filipino dishes is a dish called chicken adobo. Now, I make a pretty mean chicken adobo. And chicken adobo, it's an interesting dish because every region of the country has their own little slant on it. And and even within that region, different families have different ways that they have prepared it, that they've grown up preparing it. But the thing about chicken adobo is, is that they're basically, there's four ingredients that are almost always common to all of the dishes, no matter where you are. There's four things that you find in almost every version of chicken adobo. It's garlic, soy sauce, vinegar, and sugar. Now, there's slightly variations, so everybody has their own. But basically, those four are in there. Now, I discovered, and, I, and I, I thought this was like a breakthrough discovery for me, but apparently I started telling people, and, and I was all proud, and everybody was like, oh yeah, we were doing this years ago, but there's these uh, discount warehouse clubs, right? And they sell uh, roasted chickens, and they're like five bucks. How can you beat that? Five bucks, it's already cooked. I mean, you can just pretty much stand in line and rip chicken off of it and eat it. It's only five bucks. So I figured out that you can take that $5 chicken, and you can make chicken adobo with it. So, on my first outing, I, I got the chicken, brought it home, I started to chop it up into pieces, and then I was ready. I got my pan out, sauteed the garlic, I put the chicken in, right? I put in the, the soy sauce, and I put in the vinegar, and I let it cook a little bit, and it smelled delicious. I mean, it was great. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be amazing, and it cost me less than five, well, just a little more than five bucks. I mean, this is just, I, I, am, I am loving this, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm going in there, and it's cooking. And it smells good. You can smell the garlic. And as it's boiling over, I'm going to take a little taste of it because I want to make sure that it's as delicious as I know that it is. So I open up the pot, and it steams just right up into me, and I take my spoon, and I take a little bit of it, and I just go, Phew and my entire face and throat were on fire. Because I had forgotten one of the main ingredients. I didn't put in the sugar. So it was just salty sourness that was coming right up down my throat. I was on fire. And even though it looked good, and even though it smelled good, it tasted horrible. And the reason is is because there is a base of ingredients that you have to have in order to make it taste good, right? Whether you're cooking it for the first time and you're following the instructions, or whether you've been cooking it for years, you have to put in all of those base things because if you don't, it's not going to turn out right. Well, it's the same thing with prayer, See, some of you who are sitting here today, some of you who are watching us online or listening to us online, you have been praying your entire lives. From from the time that you were a child, you were taught how to pray, you grew up, you heard people praying, and you are fine, you think everything is great, and listen, it may be I don't know, but what I do know is this, is that sometimes after we've been doing something for a long, long time... Sometimes we forget putting in those base ingredients. And if you are a person who doesn't pray, maybe you are a person who who you grew up praying, but it never really connected with you. You never really understood what the point was. And so you prayed as long as you were required to pray. But when you got to that point in your life where you had to make the decision to pray or not, because it really didn't make a difference in your life, You stopped. And he just said, well, this isn't really working. So in our series of Beginner's Guide to Prayer, what we are trying to do, what I'm trying to do, is to make sure that we get, whether we've been praying our entire lives or we've never said a prayer in our life, that we understand what the basics are, why we do things. Why prayer is the way that it is. And so last week we started off. We started off talking about how some of us see God as a landlord, how some of us see God as as somebody that we have to perform and then he will perform rather than seeing God as a child. And I can't really, I don't have the time to go into it fully. If you weren't here last week or if you forgot what happened last week, then I encourage you to go online and take a listen to last week because that is foundational. How you see God determines how you pray to God. And so one of the the things that we talked about last week was that when you talk to God as his child, God will respond to you as your father. And that's what he is. That's what Jesus told us that he was. So today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the three basic types of prayer. And that maybe is not exactly the right way to say it, because... It's three types of prayer, but we should pray all of them when we pray. And I know some of you who have been praying your entire life, you're going to go, no, that's, there's more than three. There's all different kinds of prayer. You're absolutely right. There's so many variations. But at the very bottom, at the very base, at the very foundation, there are three basic types of prayer. And Jesus was the one who told us about these, about these three very basic types of prayer, and he even modeled it for us in what is the most famous prayer in all of scripture, a prayer that Jesus prayed. It's called the Lord's Prayer. We started looking at it last week, but we're going to look at it in a little bit more depth this week. And those three types of prayer are this. The first type is praise. We offer praise. And what does praise mean? Praise is simply saying how, or acknowledging or reacting to something that is good. The second type of prayer is a petition. We offer our petitions. We present our petitions. A petition is nothing more than asking for something, right? We, we know petitions in, maybe in the political sense where you need so, the government to do something different and so you, you get everybody to sign a petition. But basically a petition is, is just something that you're asking for. And then the third type of prayer is a prayer in order for you to maintain your perspective. Because sometimes when we pray, we lose sight of our perspective. We lose sight of who we are in relation to God. So that's what we're going to look at today. And we're, all, we're going to look at all of that in the context of the Lord's Prayer. So if you want to follow along, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. It was in Matthew chapter 6. And the Lord's Prayer starts like this. It says, Our Father in Heaven. And we talked about that, right? We talked about that last week. All of the prayers start with Our Father in Heaven because it's an acknowledgment that God is not a landlord, that God is our Father, and He responds to us as His Father. And now look at this. The very next thing that Jesus says after Our Father in Heaven is this. Hallowed be your name. Now the translation that we're using here is the New King James Version. And for those of you who grew up in church or around the Bible, you're probably very familiar with the King James Version. It's the old English version. And and, uh, since the original King James Version came out, there have been lots of modern translations. But in the New King James Version, which is a very modern translation, They did not translate the word hallowed. In fact, even in the New International Version, they didn't translate the word hallowed. They left it there. Some uh, versions translate it as the word holy, but holy doesn't quite capture it. And so they left it hallowed so that we can understand that there's this old English word. It means hallowed, or it says hallowed. And what hallowed means is to make something your ultimate concern. To make something the most important thing in your life, the most crucial thing in your life, the most sacred thing in your life, the thing that is the most ultimate treasure in your life, that is what is hallowed. For you, that is what you hallow. And Jesus says, before anything else, before anything else, this we have to understand. Before anything else, we praise God. Right? We put God in a place in our lives where he is the most important thing, there, that there is nothing else that is more important. And so sometimes we pray out of that understanding, that feeling inside us where we know that God is the most important thing to us, then sometimes we pray it in order to remind ourselves, in order to make sure that we know it, even though sometimes we may not feel it. And what Jesus is saying here is that this, putting God in the, in, in the place and in the position of being the most important thing, is what all prayer should be about. All prayer should be about this. And, and praise praising is not just a Christian thing. It is a thing that we all do. It is a natural reaction for all of us when we see something that's beautiful. Guys, we understand this, right? Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I saw a fully restored 1967 Mustang GT Fastback. It was black and it was beautiful. And it was fully restored. It didn't have all the fancy things. It was fully restored to its original condition. No seat belts, no headrest. This was a sweet vehicle. And some of you understand what I'm talking about, how, why this is such a neat thing to see. Some of you, that's not impressive, but if you saw the brand-new Ferrari Portofino drive-in, you would be going, whoa, right? And what is our reaction when we see something like that? Our reaction is, man, i got to take a picture so that I can show people this because it's so amazing. It's so awesome. If you see him driving by you might roll down your window and lean over and tell the guy how cool his car is. It's our natural reaction, right? We see something that we like, we see something that's impressive, we see something that's worthy of praise and we wanna praise it. And we know right away the difference between praise and envy. Because we see something and if it's envy, we look at it and we say, man, that is awesome. I really need to have that. But when it's praise, we look at it and we say, man, that is awesome. Listen, guys, you got to come and see this. See, it's our natural reaction to tell other people when we see something beautiful, when we see something amazing. It's natural for us. Adoration is natural for us. We all do it, And at the very top of that, the thing in our life that gets the highest praise, the thing in our life that we value the most, whatever that thing is, that is the thing that you hallow. Whatever it is in your life, that's the thing that you hallow. And Jesus is saying, listen, you got to be careful because God should be the one to occupy that prime space. Now, Jesus, if you, if you go right before this, right? So we're in, in verse 9 here, but just a few verses before, in verse 5, this is what Jesus says. And he's talking to his friends now. He's talking to his disciples. And they're asking him how to pray. And so Jesus is giving him this, this, them this instruction before he gets to the Lord's Prayer. And this is what he says. He says, and when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is a person whose public life is different from their private life. A hypocrite is a person who, the way that you see them when when they're in front of you, is different from when you see them and they are in their secret place, when they're alone, when they think that nobody is watching. That's what a hypocrite is. And in this context, what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about someone who is inconsistent, right? He's inconsistent. How you see him in public is different from how he is in private, or she is. It's inconsistency. So he goes on and he says this, for they, these these people who pray that are inconsistent, these people who are hypocrites, he says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. See, he's saying that there is a prayer, prayer, not a prayer, but a prayer, a person who prays. There is a person who prays, there's a type of person who prays that prays only because they want to appear spiritual. They want people to look at them and say, wow, that guy is holy. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. He goes on and he says this. He says, For they love to pray standing. Oh, that's, and he says, Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. They have their reward. And then he says, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, Pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, what Jesus is talking about here is he's saying that there is a kind of person who only prays when the thing that they treasure the most is at risk. They only pray when the thing that is most important to them is at risk. When the thing that you value more than anything else is What is most important to you, when the thing that you hallow is at risk, that is the only time you pray. Jesus is drawing this distinction because he's saying, listen, true prayer is when the thing that you hallow the most is God. And if we have trouble praying, it's because the thing that we hallow the most isn't God. Because there's something else that is more important to us. Listen, do you only pray when you're in trouble? Do you only pray when things aren't going right, when when things seem to be going bad? Is that the only time that you pray? Because a lot of people do that. I do that sometimes. right? Everything is fine, we're good. Things start to go bad, and what? We say, okay, I'm going to start praying now. We pray in the morning, we pray at night, we're praying all day. All of a sudden, we can find time for our quiet time. We find time to read the Bible because because now things are going bad. And so we start doing all of that, and we start praying, and then what happens? Things get better, and we stop praying again. If what you hollow is not God then you will only pray to God when what you hallow is threatened. And this is what Jesus is telling us is the main problem, is that we don't pray just to get God. We only pray when something that, we are th- that is threatening what we hallow, when something is threatening what is most important to us, that is when we pray. So do you only pray when your family is in trouble? Do you only pray when you're experiencing financial problems? If that's the case, then you will always pray when the thing that you treasure the most is at risk. And the consistency of your prayer life tells you who your God is. The consistency of your prayer life tells you who your God is. That's why Jesus starts the prayers with praise. He starts his prayer talking about God is being the most important thing. See, the most unmistakable way of telling whether or not you're living the Christian life is when you pray to God in secret, when you praise God in secret, are you consistent in it? Or do you only do it when something that you value is at risk when something that is important to you is being threatened see he says people who pray for other people to see them they're getting their reward and I see this all the time See, there are people who, who join Christian churches for reasons other than the, the, their desire to see God. See, there are people who join churches because they want to be part of a supportive group of people. There are people who join Christian churches because they like the superiority of feeling like they have the truth, and so they're better than everyone else who doesn't have the truth. See, there are people who join Christian churches because they're emotionally needy and they just want to get in somewhere. And the problem is, is that that is a, a place where you can start. But if that's the place that you stay, you'll never really meet God. And you'll never really know who He is. And so that's why Jesus is saying, listen, when you pray, the, the, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that you have to Always praise God. You have to always tell yourself and tell Him that you're putting Him in the most important position. Because it turns out that in this second line of the the Lord's Prayer, where He says, Hallowed be thy name, where He's saying that God should be the person at the very, very top. When He says that, everything else throughout the rest of the prayer is dependent on that. When we pray our prayers of petition, see, the, the, the prayer of praise tells us how we look at God, but the prayer of petition tells us how we look at the world. Look what he says. The next thing that he says is he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is an important thing because... I. I know in my life, I have prayed way too many times, not for God's kingdom to come, but for my kingdom to come. See, God's kingdom, and this is not a physical kingdom, right? But it's, it's the place where God's authority rules. And in God's kingdom, you know what there is? There's peace. In God's kingdom, there is justice. In God's kingdom, there is fairness. In God's kingdom, there is holiness, holiness. In God's kingdom, there is no homelessness. In God's kingdom, there is no hunger. And so when Jesus says, we have to pray that God's kingdom comes. Listen, the problem with God's kingdom is God's kingdom and my kingdom can't exist at the same time. And I don't want God's kingdom to be over my kingdom. Right? Because sometimes we don't want things to be fair. I want to have a better house. I want to have a nicer car. We want to have all of the better. We don't want fairness. We don't want justice. And so Jesus is saying, listen, this is a reminder to you. This is how we have to pray, that when we pray, it's got to go past what it is that I need. It's got to be, hey, listen, I have to pray that God's kingdom... Is the kingdom that rules. That God's kingdom is what rules in those times when I'm annoyed at the world and I want things to go my way and it's supposed to go God's way. And then he says this Give us this day our daily bread. Now notice he doesn't say, Give us this day our daily dessert. He doesn't say, Give us this day. Our daily banana split. Although I think that's a good idea. He's talking about your daily bread. What is it that you absolutely have to have? Because whatever it is that you absolutely have to have tells you who your God is. See, and he says daily bread, not your weekly bread, not your yearly bread. You pray for your daily bread. You pray for what you need today. We don't like that, right? We want to pray for the next three to six months. We want to pray for the next one to five years. We want God to set everything up so that we can see it coming. We know exactly what's going to happen. But if he does that, if he set it up, if we knew exactly what was going to happen, we wouldn't have to trust him. And so when God says, give us this day our daily bread, you see, I I used to look at that and say, okay, give us this day our daily bread. You know who does that? A person who does that is a person who is selfish, right? A person who does that is a person who says, I don't want you to be independent of me. I want you to come to me every day so that I can give you every day. It's a method of control. And the reason that we look at it that way, the reason that for years I looked at it that way is because I didn't acknowledge who God was because God was not what I hallowed. And so instead of looking at it as God is doing something so that we don't have to worry about tomorrow, that we can just trust, I looked at it from the perspective of God is trying to keep something from me, that he's trying to keep something away from me. And what ends up happening is, is because of that, we put something else in that position of hallowedness in our lives other than God. And when we do that, we don't have peace even when we pray. Have you ever prayed that prayer? That prayer of frustration that after you're done, you still don't have any peace? Those prayers, they sound like this. They sound like this. They say, God, I have to get that promotion. If I don't get that promotion, my life is over. God, if I don't get into that school, my entire life is going to be a disaster. God, if that girl will not marry me, I might as well kill myself because I will have no life. Right? We've heard these prayers. We've prayed these prayers. And It's no wonder that we don't have any peace. We we don't have any peace because Something else is in that hallowed position Listen if you have hallowed your career you need to demote it you need to get your career You need to get your education. You need to get that girl out of the most hallowed place because as long as it's there it will never ever give you peace because it's going to be what runs your life instead of God. See, there's a scripture that that tells us that that we're supposed to not have any anxiety but, but make our requests known to God. And all anxiety is is a failure of adoration. It's a failure of putting God in that number one spot and praise, reminding ourselves who God is, and telling God who He is to us is the thing that will heal our worldview of how we see the world, but it also will heal the view of how we see ourselves. See, after we pray the prayer of praise, or we offer up praise where we, where we, where we talk about how, how we view God, and, how, and after we, t- we do the prayer of petition where, where we talk about how we view the world then Jesus ends with a prayer for perspective, which tells us how we look at ourselves. Look at what the very next verse is. He says this, and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. He's saying there needs to be a confession, right? Because we have to understand who we are in relation to God. And some of us think that we're living our lives and everything is fine and we don't get it. So he says, listen, the first thing we've got to do here when we get to this part where we're talking about how we see ourselves is we have to say, look, forgive us from our debts. But that's only half of it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As you forgive us, we forgive other people. And if we can't forgive other people, it's because God isn't in that hallowed place, that God isn't number one. So how do you know? Well, who is that person in your life that you can't forgive? Because if there is one, then God isn't in that hallowed place. Who is the person in your life that you can't tolerate, that you can't stand being around, that you avoid, that you've written off? If there is somebody in your life who fits that description, it's because we've put something else in the place of God. Either our pride, right? Our position in the world, our self-respect, we've put something else other than God in that place. And sometimes we can't even forgive ourselves. I've talked to people who 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 have have They've gone through a terrible time in their life because of something wrong that they did. And they get to this place where they get it. You know, they, they, they understand. You, you walk them through it and they get, hey, I did this thing and it was wrong. And, and they've asked for forgiveness. And, and, and the people that were involved, they've forgiven them. And, and they ask forgiveness from God. And, and they should know that God has forgiven them. And they will go through all of that. And at the very end, they will say, I know that God has forgiven me, and I know the people I've offended have forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. I won't forgive myself. And the reason is, is because something else is taking that place. Do you know somebody who can't forgive their parents for their childhood? They just refuse to forgive their parents. Do you know the reason that they do that is because their parents' approval is in their place, is in the most hallowed place. The most important thing to them is their parents' approval. And because they know that they'll never get it, or they feel like that they'll never get it, they never ever get to this place where they'll be able to forgive their parents. Because the most important thing to them, and this is odd, because it doesn't feel like it's right. But if you think about it, it makes complete sense. They can't forgive their parents because they want something they can't get. The thing that is the most important thing to them, they know they'll never get it, and that's their parents' approval. All of our failures, all of our failures are failures of praise. He goes on to this, and he says, listen, he says, and do not lead us into temptation. Now, we've heard this word temptation before, and temptation means to be tempted, but when you look at the word, it also means a test or a trap. A test or a trap. And here's the thing, is that temptation only becomes a trap when we've repeatedly failed it when it was a test. See, when there is a temptation in front of us, and, and we make the wrong decision, we still have the opportunity to make a right decision and a wrong decision, If we keep choosing the wrong one, we are failing the test. Eventually, it gets to a place where that temptation, because of so many bad decisions, has become a trap for us. And it happens to us whether things are good or whether things are bad. And this is where sometimes we don't get it. You see, when things are good, the trap is the sin of not needing God. When things are good in our lives, when everything is working right, We live our lives and we start to believe that we don't need God. Or the other side happens and we get to this place where everything bad is happening in our lives. And then the temptation, the trap is, is that we don't trust God. That when we see all of these bad things happening, we just can't trust that God is going to be there to take us through it. And so it doesn't say don't tempt us, right? Jesus isn't saying that we should pray that God shouldn't tempt us because God doesn't tempt us. What he's saying is, is he's saying, listen, as I enter into these two sides of the world, as I try to find the balance between everything going right and everything going wrong, that I don't go into this place where when everything is right in my life, I don't need God. Or when everything is wrong in my life, that I don't trust God. Because either one of those places, when everything is going great or when everything is falling apart, either one of those places can lead us into not putting God at the very top. And he says, he closes it, but deliver us, deliver us, take us away from, take us out of that trap from the evil one. In other words, he's saying, when that temptation is front of, in front of me, while it's still a test, before it becomes a trap, take it away from me. And then he ends it all with praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And here's where our trap is. And here is where we... Can tend to lose it. I don't know if you remember, most of you are probably old enough to remember a store called FAO Schwartz. Right? There was one big one downtown. Um, there was one huge one in Orlando when we lived in Central Florida and my kids were very, very small. And we used to go there all the time. And I, I didn't really like it because for some reason everything at F.A.O. Schwartz was like ridiculously expensive. But it was the perfect place to go. Everybody loved going through and walking through it. So imagine this. There's a, there's a father and he has a, a young daughter. And he takes her th- to FAO Shorts and she's so excited, right? Because she gets to the front doors and, and there's this big, huge, like 20-foot teddy bear and on the other side, there's this big, huge, like toy soldier guy and, and and you can look through and it's all glass and you can see the Barbies and the candies and she's thrilled. And so they walk into there and she sees all these amazing things. She sees the eight-foot stuffed teddy bear and she sees the little, tiny Mercedes SUV with the spinners and, and, and she sees, she sees the bedroom size Barbie doll house full of Barbie furniture and Barbie friends and a Barbie she sees it all and her father is taking her by the hand and he says look at that look at that do you like that do you see that do you like it well you can't have any of it I am going to make sure that you never get any of those things you see, if that is the father to that daughter, if that is what the daughter hears, she'll never be able to trust her father. And if you can't trust your father, you will have trouble trusting anyone in your life. See, Scripture tells us that way at the beginning of time and, and whether you look at that and you think it's a fable or, or whether you, you believe that this is actually something that happened, in the very beginning, Scripture tells us that God put two people into a beautiful garden with lots of trees, with lots of fruit that they could eat from. And God said to them, you can have all of it except for this one. And a serpent came. And the serpent said, listen, do you know why God won't let you eat from that tree? Because that's the best tree. And they believed him and it put into our hearts this idea that because God doesn't let us have everything that God won't let us have anything that we can't trust him because he's holding out on us and ever since then ever since that moment when those very first two people believed that God was holding out what was best from them, we have all suffered from that lie. We have all come into that worldview that God keeps everything away from us because he's trying to keep the best things away from us. We think God is doing the same thing that that father did to his daughter at FAO Schwartz. And so when we pray and things don't happen exactly as as we want them to happen, what we think is God must be trying to keep something from us. And since we ask for the best possible outcome and God doesn't give it to us, we can't trust Him for that, so we can't trust Him for anything. And if you can't trust God, you won't be able to trust anything. But if you can praise God, if you can remind yourself, if you can remind God who he is, if you can put God in that hollowed place, in that place where he is the most important thing, then we can praise God everything that happens in our lives. And if we don't do that, then we'll end up being cynical. Because even when things are good, and maybe you know people like this, or maybe you are a person who's like this, that even when things are good in our lives, in the back of our minds, we're thinking, yeah, it's good now, but I know it's going to get bad. Praise heals the belief that God doesn't give us everything, so God doesn't give us anything. And we see this come out in kids all the time. I was at Target the other day. And and there was this little kid, and he was with both of his parents, and he was clutching a toy. And I didn't even know what kind of toy it was. It was in a small green box, and he was holding on to it. And he said, I want to have this. I want this. I want this. And his parents said, you can't have that today. And you saw his face start to tear up, and you saw him start to cry. and, And he was just so sad. He wanted that thing. And his mom said, no, we're not buying that today. And so the kid starts crying. He starts throwing a fit. And the mother says, come on. We're not buying that today, but we'll go get ice cream. You love ice cream. And what do we always see the kids say when that happens? No, 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 no. I don't want ice cream. I don't want anything. It's our natural reaction. And so when we pray and we don't put God in that top spot, then when we see that he's not giving us everything, We don't want anything from him. It's something that is in all of us. And praise lets you see who you are to God and accept it. And praise lets you see the world as it is and still trust that God is there. Without praise for God, we will never be at peace in the world. And so... What I want you to take away from today, and listen, this is we're building up to something, but for today, what I want you to take away from today is that the three types of prayer that we incorporate in all of our prayers, we pray up in humility, we pray out for ability, and then we pray in for stability. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.